Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Today, Texas. Today, we're going to talk about God's unstoppable love unstoppable love. You know, we are in a season in our life and in our nation where love seems very rare. Uh, I, I really appreciated that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. Even when I don't see him, you're working. Even during the election, you're working. Count them out. Count them out, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, guys. We're going to get through this crazy stuff. We're going to get through this crazy stuff. God's will is going to be done. His will is going to be done. He's in control. And we've got to be the people of love, not the people of division. I watched online this week pastors that took a stand, and in their stance, they said that anyone that voted differently than them and called themselves a Christian couldn't possibly really be a Christian. It's despicable. If you are a spiritual leader and you're doing that kind of mess, shame on you, you dirty dog. Shame on you. Because there are 70-something million people that have a different view than you and you don't know everything. God does. And to put on someone that they must not actually be a real Christian because they have a different political view than you is absolutely not right. It's not fair. Not a single one of us should do that. In fact, what we should do is try to have real dialogue with those people that think differently than us and find out why they see it from their angle. What is it that's important to them? If love is going to win, if love is going to be unstoppable, then we need to be the vessels of that, and we need to be reaching across the aisle and trying to understand, because we're one nation under God, we're one America, and we're one body, the body of Christ, and we've got to take a stand on love and not be part of the division. We can do that, right? See, the Bible is very clear that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Scripture says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You have a real enemy and he's not a human. You have a real enemy, and he's a spirit being, and he has an entire army of, of, of military troops that are called principalities and powers and rulers in this dark world. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. And it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that the airwaves, the communication, the media is what it seems like he has rule over right now. But even when we don't see it, God's working. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. I had a great mentor one time say this, if you can see them, 
They're not your enemy. Republicans are not your enemy. Democrats are not your enemy. Libertarians are not your enemy. Blacks are not your enemy. Whites are not your enemy. Hispanics are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. People are the family of God. And it's our job to be the lovers of God's people. Some of them are hard to love. You know, Jesus said, what credit is it to you if you love the easy ones to love? We got to figure out how to love people that we find despicable. Oh, it's a hard one. We don't want that assignment. But that's our assignment. To love the unlovable. I'll tell you something else. Our weapons of warfare are not earthly. It's not about a spiritual weapon. Now, don't get me wrong. I have bought so many weapons during this coronavirus. Oh, my God. Ammo and guns and knives. I got a spear I want next. Jen bought a bow and arrow. I mean, legit. I mean, come on. We're ready for it. We're ready. Bring it on. We're ready. Ready for what? You're supposed to be a man of peace. Oh, yeah, peacemaker. That's what I am. Colt 45 peacemaker is my favorite. But our weapons are not earthly. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world, it says in 2 Corinthians 10.4. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Bible says to take captive, another translation, of this verse says, vain imaginations, vain imaginations, arrogant imaginations. Do you ever have imaginary conversations of what you're going to say to somebody when you see them? And you can go a week or two weeks, and in your imagination, you've told that person off like eight times, (laughs) 800 different ways. You've rehearsed your tongue lashing. Anybody? You ever do it out loud? Like you're practicing a speech? Like you're getting ready for a, for, for a presentation? You got no cards? You're in the mirror holding, the, holding a brush instead of a microphone? If you can hold it in your hand, it's not your weapon. If you can see them, they're not your enemy. And if you can hold it, it's not your weapon. Your weapons are not earthly. They're mighty through God. You have the sword of the spirit. You have the shield of faith. You have the belt of truth. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You have been given a weapon called the word of God. Prophecy is what you wage war with. God is love. God is also his word. And God's word is is his love. And God's word of love is your weapon. Have you ever returned a gentle or kind answer to somebody who was really horrifically rude? It's amazing what happens. It's amazing sometimes how it melts a person's heart. It's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes. When someone's honking at you, swerving at you, cussing at you while you drive, 
You want to wave at them with your magic finger, but you can't because you got that Jesus bumper sticker on the back of your car. Can't make Jesus look bad. It's hard to love sometimes. God is love. My big question for you today is this. How different is your love than God's love? How different is your love than God's love? How many strings are attached to your love? How many conditions are attached to your love? How many, how many uh, limitations and requirements? What about withholding your love because someone doesn't deserve it? See, there is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna educate some of you youngsters today. I'm gonna show you something. Um, there used to be this thing called music videos. We would sit around and watch music videos on music television. And I'm gonna show you an ancient poet, songwriter. It's very serious stuff from 1986. Teaching us about what love is really all about. Can you play that for me, Austin? Her, this poet, her name is Janet Jackson. Come on, we, we have this misconception of love, and our love is so temporary. How many girlfriends did I love? And then my favorite theme song, my, anybody have a breakup song? Do you have a breakup song? I had one. It was by another amazing poet, scholar named Axel Rose <laughs> from Guns N' Roses. Went like this, I used to love her, but I had to kill her. <laughs> I used to love her, ooh, yeah, but I had to kill her. I knew I'd miss her, so I had to keep her. She's buried right in my backyard. Come on, any Guns N' Roses fan? That was my theme song for every breakup. Because my love was so temporary. The longest girlfriend I had before Jennifer was like nine months. And the longest one besides that was six months. And then it was three months. And now I got 27 years. I had to learn how to actually love for 27 years. And I've only sang that song to Jennifer a couple times. Just joking. Well, actually, maybe. God's love is so different. God's love never fails. Our love fails. See, in Scripture, there's, and this is a beautiful passage, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. In the Greek, it's the word agape. It means God's love, the type of love that God has. There are three different words that I know of in the Greek for love. One of them is eros, that is erotic or romantic love. Can I tell you that erotic and romantic love fails? In fact, there's a shelf life scientifically on erotic or romantic love. It's seven years. Heard of the seven-year itch? Marriages, if they make it past the seventh year, have a tremendous opportunity. But it's in the seventh year of Eros that you have to relearn how to love. 
because those loving feelings, this is my sing-along day. I'm not going to sing the Tom Cruise version of that, but come on, you can lose those loving feelings. Because it's temporary. There have been times where Jennifer and I looked at each other over the last 27 years. There were times that we loved each other but weren't in love with each other. We had to relearn how to love each other again. And I can tell you, we're in a wonderful spot, and I love this woman with all my heart, and I'm more in love with her than I was the day I married her. I'm so crazy about her. We have a very interesting relationship. We're incredibly codependent, and we need Jesus, and we need each other, and we need Jesus more than we need each other, but sometimes we get that confused. I, I had a friend of mine, Charles, told me that you two are, this is what he said to me, you two are two positive charges. You know what that means? In a battery, you have to have a positive and a negative. If there's two positive charges, things explode. We've had a lot of explosions, but thank God we love each other so much. We build through those. Another type of love that's temporary is the word phileo. It's where we get Philadelphia. I've been to Philly. I didn't feel the love. I got one friend from Philly. Are there any Philly? Please tell me there's no Eagle fans in the building today. None? I got one. Joe's watching right now. I love you, Joe, but you're the only one. <laughs> God's love never fails. His love is agape love. In fact, this passage in 1 Corinthians goes on to say in verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In heaven, this is the passage that talks about how the gifts of the Spirit will cease. Tongues and prophecies and miracles and healings, they will cease. Now a bad teaching, a bad doctrine is that they ceased whenever the Bible was canonized because they called that perfection. Can I tell you that perfection has not come? Just because we have a written Bible, gajillions of written Bibles, doesn't mean perfection comes. Perfection comes when Jesus returns and restores the world and makes everything perfect and brings heaven to earth. And then we won't need healing anymore. Then we won't need miracles anymore. Then we won't need prophecy and tongues and, and all of those things anymore because we will be in perfection, living in perfection. And then three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. God is love. And God's love is unstoppable. God's love is unstoppable. Nothing can stop the love of God. Look at this beautiful passage, Romans chapter 8. In fact, for any of you that are new to faith and you're looking for a place to start reading your Bible, I'm going to tell you the most, probably the most doctrinally important chapter in your entire Bible is the, is the chapter of the book of Romans, chapter 8. If you could read that verse, that passage, over and over and over and over and over and allow the revelation of Romans 8 to seep into your life, it will change you forever. And this finishing passage, this finishing verse, Romans 8, 37 says, No, in all these things we are 
more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. God's love is unstoppable. Nothing can stop his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. In fact, the scripture declares that no one could snatch you from his hand. You are in God's hand, and no one can snatch you from his hand. The enemy can't? Guess what? You can't. Once God has you in his hand, he has you. And no one can snatch you. His love is unstoppable. So what do we need to do? We need to learn how to love like him. We need to ask God for more of his kind of love. We need more agape in our lives. We need the type of love that can cover over sin. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And we gotta have that kind of love because guess what? We're gonna offend each other. See? I just offended that sweet little angel right there. Cassius, have you ever offended anybody? Oh, yeah. Come on, you gotta have some agape for Cassius Miller. He needs a lot of agape. Fuego, have you ever offended anybody? Come on, guess what? Pastor Joel has offended lots of people. I've offended lots of people. If I haven't offended you yet, just stick around. <laughs> but we've got to learn how to love each other beyond that. We have to learn how to love each other and cover a multitude of sins. Because you're human. And if any of you thinks that you're beyond sin, you're sadly mistaken. You need Jesus just as much now as you ever have. In fact, if you get to the point where you think you're over your issues, if you get to the point that think you've healed so much and grown so much that you don't still have some of those same issues, just wait, baby. Because all it takes is a little downturn for you to be back sucking your thumb and regress to your baby stage. Come on, sometimes you can go through stuff in life Psychologically, when a trauma happens to a child, they could be nine or 10 years old, and sometimes a trauma can happen, and it sends them backwards, and they revert in some of the development that they had before. They start wetting the bed again, or sucking a thumb again, or, or doing these comfort-type things, because trauma can happen. Guess what? That can happen to adults, too. And you may have overcome something in one phase of your life, but you go through a trauma, and you can regress. See, you need Jesus just as much now as you ever have. And, and, and the, if you ever get to the point that you think that you don't, you look around at yourself and you don't see any sin in your life, congratulations, you got the worst kind. It's called pride. Religious pride. If you look around at other people and you judge other people and say, well, I'm not like him. I can't receive from him. I don't want to be like him. I, I look at their sin. Come on, guys. Anybody ever do that? Look at someone else and feel like we can't receive from that person because they're not what we are. 
It's religious pride. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Balaam that got to a place of religious pride. And God had his donkey talk to him. You ever had a donkey talk to you? I, I, had, a, I, had, I had a friend who was a major donkey, King James Version donkey, with the jack and all. And one time this guy corrected me. And I was so angry. Who do you think you are? You think you can speak into my life? You think you can say something to me? I know how you live. I know what you're like. Who do you think you are? But they were right. And God used a dumb donkey to correct me. We can't get to the place where we get so prideful that we cease to love. We start looking down our religious noses and forget that we're just as much a wretch as anyone else. Your sin is just as stinky as anyone else's. And only through the blood of Jesus Christ, only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, can you have any access to God. For we're saved by grace through faith, and this faith is not our own. It was a gift of God so that no one can boast on your best day, you're wretched. Congratulations. The only thing good about me is Jesus in me. The only thing good about you is Jesus in you. We got to move past. Ask God for more of his kind of love and actively begin to try our best to love like God does. Remove the strings. Remove the conditions. Try to see individuals from God's angle. How does God see President Trump? How does God see Joe Biden? Oh, I'll tell you what. Mm -mm -mm. You're not God, sucker. You don't stink and know. Why don't you start praying more and complaining less? How does God see Nancy Pelosi? How does God see, I can't remember any of the other ones. <laughs> Gets all confusing. How does God see them? What does God say about them? What does God's love say? What would happen if we as Christians started praying more than complaining? We've got to ask for more of his love. Father, I ask you right now that you will release love upon your people in a powerful and tangible way. Release your spirit upon us in a powerful way. Give us more of your love. Give us more of your grace for each other. Give us more of your agape love. Love with no strings, no conditions, no requirements. Pure love. Release it to us in Jesus' name. God, your love wins. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.